Hello, happy Monday. Mike and Ian here joining uh, joining y'all. A couple minutes late, sorry for that, but we are here to talk week 13. Starting off this week, uh, we're, we're in actually, the, this the weekend was the first weekend of December football of the year, which is always exciting. And the Cowboys had a very exciting time last night, just absolutely <laughs> dominating the Colts. I think it was 21-19 going into yes. the fourth quarter and scored 33 unanswered points to end the game. Just total domination. Were you up for the this whole game? Did you see the end and the excitement there, Mike? Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I did not. You know, so uh, <laughs> once we real, I realized that there was a preponderance of news that was, you know, fit to print for walkthrough. It was time to get that all edited up. Obviously, we have some major quarterback injuries to talk about, some huge games, et cetera. And it's like, eh, it's Cowboys versus the Colts. And yeah, it was staying close, but it looked like the Cowboys were driving late and, you know, the mm-hmm. Colts are the Colts. I'm like, yeah, I could use an extra half hour of sleep. That's what I could yeah. really use. And by half hour, I mean two hours, because by the time you watch, finish the game, and if I write something up, I'll take care of it in the Monday wrap up uh, for DVOA. I woke up this morning and I'm like, what? <laughs> what happened? 50? What? And a lot, a lot happened in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I was I actually stayed up uh, for most of it because I had uh, fantasy wise my home league CD Lamb and the Cowboys defense. So I was was enjoying the game, loved it again for the defense. My fantasy team actually kind of like you went to bed early, but I saw up through the Malik Hooker fumble return and then got in bed, checked the score a couple times, and every time I looked, it was like Dallas had scored again. <laughs> they got another turnover. I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. But it just unbelievable the way that they played in that fourth quarter, and they're looking really good here lately since that. Uh, that loss to Green Bay where they kind of they look good most of that game kind of collapsed yep. and then had the big blowout win over uh Minnesota uh the one yep. last week that ended up being a little bit closer than what it was with the Giants scoring with about eight seconds left or something yeah. and then last night they're looking really good would you put them probably not ahead of Philadelphia uh but do you think they're they're a little bit they're maybe even at this point you think Philadelphia is still the team to beat uh given how well they've played the whole year well, as of right now in DVOA, and I think by now we'll be putting up the Monday preview for folks who are FO Plus subscribers, mm-hmm. so you can see the DVOA. Cowboys are ahead of the Eagles. Bills are number one. Cowboys are number two. Eagles are number three. Now, of course, I'm almost certain that the fourth quarter did that. Yep. Okay. Meanwhile, the Eagles win 35-10 to 10 over a good Titans team, mm-hmm. a seven-win team, playoff-bound team. But in the fourth quarter, the Eagles take Jalen Hurts out, put in Gardner Minshew, put in a lot of their backups for most of the fourth quarter. And, and so you look at that on the first leg and you say, well, that, well that's not fair. The, the Eagles take their feet off the gas. And the Cowboys don't really have a chance to take their feet off the gas because they're just like scoring touchdowns by accident at the end of this game where, where they really were, were playing kind of iffy along the way. Th- that's not how it works. DVOA counts everything. Mm-hmm. Beating if, if the Cowboys did that to the Colts in the third quarter, we wouldn't talk about it. We just That's domination. That's just destruction, what they did. They do it in the fourth quarter. It's like, oh, that's garbage time. That shouldn't count. That's not really the way it works. All told, I still think the Eagles are a better team, but it's undeniable how strong the Cowboys are. And we always have to remember also that the Cowboys haven't didn't have Dak Prescott yep. for a month earlier in the season. So there's a lot of that still in the in the calculations and still in our perceptions of that team. What about you? What do you think? I, I'm with you. I still think the Eagles are the the team to beat there in the NFC. Uh, we're just pulling up. I forget exactly where uh, where they are in the or they're, they're first. The Cowboys, Philadelphia, Minnesota, San Francisco, Dallas. Obviously, being not winning the division is down at the fifth spot, but they've got the uh, the third most wins right there behind Minnesota. I just 
Dallas looks good, but you always with the Cowboys, uh, even if you're a Cowboys fan, except me being a Packers fan, no matter how well, how good they are, how well they're playing, you always are like, they're going to lose somewhere. Something's going to happen. They're going to choke. Right. They're going to blow it. This might not be that year they, they're as good as they, they've been um, here recently. And last night they played really well. And But Dak Prescott in the in the press conference afterwards, they asked me, you know, it was his most complete game. And he came out, he said, it wasn't really a complete game for us. You know, it was a, he said, eight or nine point game going into the fourth quarter. Like I said, it was two points, I think, 21 19. It's like the Minnesota game. Now, that was a complete game. It's like we need to put yeah. together more complete games versus playing the Colts. He didn't say this, but playing the Colts close through three quarters <laughs> is not great for Dallas. They turned yeah. it on the fourth quarter. So, Philadelphia, I think all around, it seems like they just play well for the whole game pretty much every single week, uh, the Eagles do. And that's thing, you notice Prescott, he threw another early interception. It's kind of like his receiver got knocked around a little bit. Yep. Almost coughed up another interception later in the game. I think there was a penalty and it came back. You still see those little moments from him. Yep. You still get those little McCarthy moments now and then. The Eagles have rarely given you that. You know, the, the, the slip-up game for the Eagles was they couldn't stop the run. The commander said, let's play turtle mm-hmm. ball against you. Wait for you to make one or two mistakes and they won. Eagles saw that and said, hey, Damakong Sue, okay, your move. What's next? Yep. Um, so, 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 you know, for that reason, I put the Eagles ahead. And the whole thing, you know, I, I'm, I live in Philly. I, I sort of believe you know, the Cowboys screw this up all the yep. time thing. It's been 30 years of doing so. You know, Mike McCarthy did win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You, you were there. You remember. Yeah, you know, he did win a Super Bowl. They, they don't always screw it up. And, and, of course, 31 out of 32 teams every year screw it up. You know, so like you can't really go with that if you're trying to be analytical. Yeah, and go back to that Minnesota, the Philadelphia game against Washington, kind of not really getting screwed at the end. It was the weird play where Heineke goes down, gives himself up, and gets hit. Oh, yeah, weird play. If it wasn't for that, they very well could have won that game. Another one, yeah. a ton of time left, uh, but they would have gotten the ball back with some time and maybe win that game. But they didn't, obviously, and uh, really probably shouldn't have been that close as good as Philadelphia had been playing. But Philadelphia, I definitely, I think, is the top team. Minnesota. Maybe hit on them for a minute too because they just keep getting lucky. <laughs> they're nine and zero now, one score games, and uh, they're a, not that they're a bad team. They are. I think they're below average in DVOA though. Um, the worst is a ten and two oh, team yeah. in DVOA, and like they would be the second worst nine and three team in DVOA. Um, but they just find a way to win. But they're another team that even Vikings fans I see talking. They're like. They're going to find a way. Something crazy is going to happen in the playoffs. They're going to lose. They're going to find a way to lose it. It's like them and the Cowboys. Maybe they'll play against each other, and at least one of them will win. Uh, get to the playoffs, you can't tie there. So, I don't know. Minnesota maybe uh, is another one that you you just expect them to fall apart at some point. Something crazy is not going to happen to the Vikings in the playoffs. Something crazy happens to the Vikings every week that they win these games. The crazy is the fact that they're 10-2. and two. The sane and rational and normal is that they're going to go into the playoffs and get obliterated by the Cowboys again, beaten handily by the Eagles again, get beaten by Christian McCaffrey running the Wildcat at quarterback because that's all the 49ers have left. Something like that is going to happen to the Vikings because they're not good. We can talk about DVOA, et cetera. I put it up on the uh, DVOA preview. It should be on the site now or within an hour. Third down. They're like 15th, 18th. 21st, 30th in the league in every category that you would say, oh, this is just a normal stat category that you look at to see if the team's good or not. That's who they are. That's who this team is. 
I watched that game against the Jets. I couldn't believe what I was seeing when the Jets kept getting to like the eight yard line and stalling. It was remarkable. But that's what the Vikings continue to do. It is not sustainable through the playoffs. Yeah, the end of that Vikings game, we were, my wife and I were leaving to go meet up with some uh, friends of hers that she works with, big Bengals fans. We went out to watch uh, the Bengals and the Chiefs. And we're leaving the house, and it was like, as we're getting ready, and I'm looking at the TV, the Jets got the ball back inside the 20 yard line like three times in the last minute and a half or something. I kept looking, like, is this the yeah. same drive? And uh, they're like, no, it's, uh, <laughs> they got the ball back already here at the end of the game and just weren't able to put it in. Again, Vikings just getting lucky in a way like I said they had the big lead but getting lucky the Bills game we know they very well should have lost that game if Josh Allen just takes that sneak like he does right. 99 times out of 100 uh but still they're up there they're winning the games uh, they and the Cowboys both the yeah. two teams you just expect are going to fall off at some point and uh <laughs> we've just got a few weeks left in the regular season they're going to be in the playoffs and we'll see what happens from there but the biggest story of this weekend is some injuries to some quarterbacks as uh, a devastating one for San Francisco Yet again, Jimmy Garoppolo out, uh, broken foot out for the year. Brock Purdy comes in, although Baker Mayfield is expected to be released today by Carolina. I mean, you never know. (laughs) Right. It's almost so crazy it might work. Yeah, It's almost so crazy it might work. Now, now, I don't think think Mayfield necessarily is a fit for the system, but the whole point behind the system is that, like, anyone should be able to do this. Anyone should be able to, within the system, like, like, spit the ball like a couple of yards to Debo and Christian and hope for the best. So of course you want the guy who's actually practiced it. So that's why you want Purdy. But when, when I saw that Mayfield was getting released, I was like, Hmm, this is crazy. Like a Fox. Maybe they should. They're not going to, they're, they're not going to, by the way, the whole Mayfield thing is fascinating. I had people this time last year swearing that he had turned the corner and that this is a guy who, you know, has really started demonstrated that he deserves the big contract and all of these yeah. things. Look what a year, a year and a half has done to, the, to this individual. It's, it's really yeah, all shocking. the talk was the shoulder injury that he was hurt last year, and yeah. uh, he really struggled. Yeah. But we see now he's, as far as we know, has been healthy, and it's just he's he's just not playing. Well, he's fallen quite a bit over the last couple of years since uh, they were in the playoffs, which even then, it, you know, they had Nick Chubb and Kareem yeah. Hunt there, uh, a good defense. Nice. He didn't do a ton, but he did enough to kind of manage the game and get him there. You mentioned Brock Purdy in this one. Came in Mr. Irrelevant this year. I think I saw on Good Morning Football this morning, he's the first ever Mr. Irrelevant to throw a pass in the NFL. No other quarterback. No, that can't be right. No, Bill Kenny was Mr. Irrelevant. Bill Kenny was Mr. Irrelevant. They were wrong. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) Stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. This is is not uh, 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 – you know what? It's not worth looking up right now since we're live. I am 99% certain Bill Kenny was Mr. Irrelevant, and he played for a couple years in the Chiefs. Oh yeah, that's so. That's what I said. Sorry. I was proud with you uh, there because uh, of your knowledge, and I know it goes it goes back a while, and you know what you're talking about. But anyway, he came in, had a only 5.7 yards per attempt, low, but two three yard touchdown passes to a fullback and running back in Yuschek and Christian McCaffrey was sacked a few times, but was decent enough and kind of did what, like you said, anyone should be able to step in this offense the way it is. You don't have to be great, just don't make mistakes. They have a very good defense they can lean on. Uh, they've got the playmakers on offense. We know with McCaffrey and Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, all those guys just kind of get them the ball. Like you said, let them do what they do. Uh, focus on that run game like Shanahan likes to do a lot. But I, it obviously lowers San Francisco a little bit. Uh, pretty rookie, last pick of the draft coming in here. Jimmy Garoppolo, whether you love him or hate him, like he's been good this year, has gotten them, you know, or has been pretty good this year and 
and gotten them to the the lead in the NFC uh, NFC West out there and the defense carrying them. So it, it is a step down, but I do I still think they can compete. I don't know if they're one of those Super Bowl contenders anymore uh, or as high up as they were. They're still going to be behind the guys we talk about. You know, Philadelphia. You got on the other side the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals now. So. I, they're they're still going to be good. They've got all the other pieces there as long as he just isn't making a bunch of mistakes. What do you think, though? How much do you think this affects the 49ers moving forward and their their Super Bowl chances? On, on Thursday, uh, Aaron and I, on the Thursday podcast, we had David Lombardi covers the uh, 49ers for the Athletic. And he tweeted after the game, it's like, to reach the Super Bowl, the 49ers defense has to be the 1985 Bears defense. And it's a it's a really good defense, and they forced they, they gave up two long passes, and that was it uh, yesterday against against the Dolphins. I mean, and by, and by that was it. I mean, it was interception on like the second play, three and out. Interception on the third play, three and out. That's what the that's what the Dolphins were doing. But this is not the '85 Bears defense, and they're not going to be able to sustain uh, uh, Brock, Brock Purdy at quarterback unless this guy is completely stuns everyone. Uh, yeah. Just the upcoming schedule for the 49ers. Buccaneers this week, okay. Mm-hmm. We Buccaneers played tonight. So more, so they got they got to get past Tom Brady. Then the Seahawks, who are playing lights out, that's for the division. If they lose that, it kind of pretty much uh, is probably going to give the Seahawks the division. Um, mm-hmm. Then the Commanders, that's a game with playoff implications. Then the Raiders, who are playing much better football right now. That there's no gimmies in there. No gimmies until the Cardinals in Week 18. No one on the Cardinals will be speaking to each other by Week 18. Okay, they'll all be playing their new video games and and play and doing whatever they do with their stocking stuffers. Okay, until then, Purdy, I I I, I don't see I don't see two wins there, and that's a team that's going to be in as a wild card probably. And as a wild card, they're going to have to run these gauntlets through Dallas, through Philadelphia. Yeah. It, it's it's not a it's it, it's not really a, a logical path to success. Yeah, going to be tough. They did give up. Uh, also, you mentioned uh, no long passes, but they or two long passes. They gave up their first second half points in five oh, games wow. on the touchdown of Terry Kill, but just one touchdown there. So they have been very good. I did. I looked it up too while you were talking there. Uh, Brock Purdy became the first Mister Irrelevant to throw a touchdown pass in a regular season game. Is what it was. So not a pass, but a touchdown pass. No. According, that's according to uh, NBC Sports. Okay, Bill Kenny was Mister Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Okay, in 19, I, I just looked it up right here, MrRelevant.org, so he's on there. He played for several years, was a starter for the Chiefs in the early 80s. Uh, he had a 4,000-yard passing season. Uh, I, I met him years back. Um, so I, they, maybe it meant in, in, in the last, I don't know how many years or something yeah. like that, but uh, I'm going to have to find that now and start a Twitter war because cause this right. is that's, that, that's wrong. That's yeah, wrong. The guy looking, I pulled him up too here for Pro Football Reference. 105 touchdown passes. That's definitely more yeah. than zero. <laughs> That's more than zero. And he was Mr. Irrelevant. I believe it was like a 13 round draft back then. So he was like, you know, player number 673 or something like that drafted. Yeah. Uh, went on to a political career. Uh, years back, I know this is loud, now I'm way off in this horrible tangent here. Years back, <laughs> there was a movie about Mr. Irrelevance, and I covered it for uh, a couple of uh, companies ago. And I was there and he was one of the guests and, you know, I, I talked to him for a while, talked old chief stories and things like that. So, so something's, something's screwy about that, but Hey, Brock Purdy, congratulations, yeah. man. That's not about you. Brock Purdy had a really good game and you've got this opportunity ahead of you. Yeah. Brock Purdy may or may not have said history in some way yesterday. So 
I'm sorry we derailed everything here, but man, I, like I'm very confused. Okay. Hey, that's okay. Like that's that's what we're here for. Uh, like I said I saw that a couple places, and you've got your knowledge to call it out so that people know that's not true when they see it because uh, it doesn't appear so what we've seen. But we'll move on to the other big quarterback injury. That's Lamar Jackson. What, this is one's, this one's tough. Baltimore is leading the division there, but really hasn't looked good. That offense has been not good. Since their bye, they're 22nd in DVOA, struggling. They were fourth going into their bye. What, what do you think about the, the injury here? He's not expected to miss the rest of the season, maybe a game or two, a couple games, but it didn't really look good with him after the game. Uh, and it definitely changes their offense. So Tyler Huntley's a similar player. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not even close. And we saw a lot of Tyler Huntley last year, and he can kind of do some sort of wild and woolly random things with the ball, move the ball in fits and starts. It's not going to be the same. Uh, and just very much waiting with bated breath for like some clarification on the injury that was described as a sprain, mm-hmm. but like not officially a sprain. And of course, sprains can be Low ankle, high ankle, et cetera, et cetera. It can mean a lot of different things. The upcoming schedule for the Ravens, they get a now feisty Steelers team next week. You you know how Ravens-Steelers games go. The final score is always 23-20 to either way. It's always just a knockdown, dragout game no matter what. You know, with Jackson, that's probably a Ravens win. I would say with Huntley, that's probably a Steelers win. That's where you're at right now. Say the same thing about the Cleveland Browns in two weeks. Um, because the Browns are resurgent and they've gotten some guys back recently. So mm-hmm. you look at these things and the Ravens, if they, if they miss um, Jackson for two weeks, that's going to put them in a position where they're going to be in a bad wild card place. Cause those are two divisional opponents. Yep. That means there's two AFC opponents. It's going to cause head to head tiebreaker questions and issues with teams like the Patriots who have a win over the Browns in the back pocket, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's going to be a big difference whether we hear day to day or week to week for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and we've we talked about this. I don't remember if it was on this show or maybe a few weeks ago we did, and we're talking about Super Bowl contenders. Um, and then Vince and I, I think, mentioned it a couple times on the coach ranking show. But between them and Cincinnati, they're tied right now. Baltimore has the tiebreaker. You just mentioned Baltimore's schedule. Okay. Like just a couple weeks ago wasn't looking difficult, was looking pretty easy. But with the injury now, and you said the Steelers yeah. and Browns both looking a little bit better, getting some guys back. Right. They, those two teams, the Bengals and the Ravens, match up in week 18. Could be huge, yeah. and that's at Cincinnati. But in the meantime, the Bengals have the Browns, the Buccaneers at New England, and then against the Bills on Monday night there to start the new year, and then the Ravens. Yeah. So they've got some, too, that were looking pretty tough. They've got a little bit tougher schedule, but even if they drop a couple of those and the Ravens are without Lamar and drop a couple, that's going to be – I think either way could be a huge Week 18 game that I would imagine has a pretty good shot of being flexed to that Sunday night game uh, the way things are going right now. Oh, that sounds like the Sunday night game at the end that goes until the wee hours and goes to overtime, and that, that'll be fun. But, man, the Bengals' late-season schedule was sadistic. It was absolutely sadistic for this Bengals team. It seems like every time you turn around, oh, you just beat the Chiefs. Here are the Bills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just beat the Bills. Here are the 1972 Dolphins brought back to, to, to youth and fitness. So I'm, I'm impressed with what the Bengals are doing. But, yeah, yeah that, that throws another monkey wrench into trying to prognosticate AFC North. Yeah, and speaking of the Bengals, that takes us into the next thing we want to talk about today. And that's we've talked about the NFC with the, uh, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings. With the AFC, we know all the talk this year was how tough the AFC was. NFC was, hasn't been very good. Uh, but lately have some good teams there. But the AFC, who would be your top three teams right now? The standings, the way they are, I think, is with the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Ravens, I believe, are the third seed there. Um, but who would your top three be? 
based on the current health of these teams, mm-hmm. I'm going to put the Cincinnati Bengals first. Okay. They've just gotten healthier with Jamar Chase back. They now have the continuity on the offensive line that was the early season storyline, which is now forgotten. They play solid on the offensive line. They've got all of the tools they need. Again, they're missing Joe Mixon. He should be back soon. They've got all the tools they need. Then I would put the Chiefs. And right now I would put the Buffalo Bills third, based on the fact that there's no Von Miller. There's been no Deion Dawkins for several weeks. They've been banged up on and off at safety. They've had all kinds of rotation issues on the offensive line. So in a couple of weeks, this may change. I'm going to put the Bills back on top. But you can't, like, take Von Miller and a left tackle away and say, oh, they're still the Bills, they're still the Bills. And we're seeing that in recent weeks. We saw that on Thanksgiving. We saw that to a degree against the Patriots, who couldn't move the ball at all. But the the Bills kind of struggled and had to toy with them for much of the game. Right now, based at full strength, I think the Bengals are the strongest team in the AFC. What about you? So I went uh, a little bit. I've got the Bills in the middle there. Um, I've actually got the Chiefs first, even with the loss yesterday. Um, I I still think they're the the top team in the AFC. They've won, you know, five straight coming into this. The Bengals have had their number the the last couple of years, as we know now, have won three straight going back to uh, week 17 last year uh, and then in the playoffs and this week. But it's it's hard to count. You know, you had a a, a, – Unusual day from Travis Kelsey. They kind of shut him down, but he yeah. had a, a fumble, a ball taken away from him. You don't see a lot. Harrison Butker missed that field of 50-something yarder at the end that he normally hits there um, that likely could have sent that game to overtime. Chiefs could have won. We know what they do in overtime. Yeah. The Bengals did win it. I'm not taking anything away from the Bengals at all. I've got some close friends that are Bengals fans that would probably hate me for saying that. But I would go with the Chiefs, then the Bills, even with their struggle, as you mentioned, the injuries going on there. I still think they're too good. And then the Bengals, I put third, though. I think they're right there, and they – they can keep moving up. They're dangerous this time of year. Uh, last year, we yeah. saw it. This year, you said they're getting healthy. Joe Mixon, uh, I think, was close to playing, was a game-time decision, basically. But Samajic Piran has looked really good. Yeah. He's looked good as the pass-catching back the last couple of years there and this year. And then getting kind of the workhorse role now has looked good the last few weeks. So even if Mixon does miss more time uh, or comes back, gets another concussion, hopefully that doesn't happen. But we've seen those kind of things happen with some guys. They're in a really good spot. Um I just I, I lean with the Chiefs and the Bills just because of how I think at their I, I wouldn't even say at their best they're head and shoulders above the Bengals I just think they are the two two best teams um, fully healthy and you mentioned they're not right now but that's kind of right. the way I looked at it when when look when thinking about it right and, and and you pointed out some of the mistakes the Chiefs made Bengals also miss a fourth down near the goal line because instead of running a sneak they run the punt returner you know the the fourth wide receiver on a jet sweep you know, to the outside, and he just gets stuffed on a play up the line of scrimmage. So the Bengals made their share of mistakes, yep. too. And it's it, it just it just really dawned on me watching the Chiefs, and as good as the Chiefs are, and they're one of the best teams in the NFL, this is a game where they don't beat themselves with penalties, really. Mm-hmm. The one turnover with the Kelsey thing, but normally they have, like, a fumble by, you know, Pacheco or Sky Moore yep. or some goofy interception in the back of the end zone. Or something. <laughs> None of the goofy Chiefs stuff that happens. They play a balanced game. They play a pretty good defensive game and they still lose to the Bengals. That's eye-opening about who the Bengals are right now after a bunch of wins without Jamar Chase. Yep. And, like, and, and like, I think we might be overlooking something that the defending AFC champion yep. Cincinnati Bengals have to offer that, that puts them possibly even a notch above the Chiefs and Bills, the teams we love to talk about. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the offensive line. That was something that Vince and I, Vince just talked about last week on the coach ranking show because I brought up, you know, wanted to talk about. They started 0-2. They were kind of left for dead. You had Joe yep. Burrow coming off the uh, appendectomy in the offseason, didn't or preseason, right. didn't really get a ton of work. Yeah, and he mentioned the exact same thing you did, where offensive line is the one position where you really need a lot of time together to work and right. work together, and they've started to come along. And then you mentioned that fourth down play. That was one. I want to get your thoughts because we have this with the uh, – Edge Sports Football Outsiders model that we have with for, for fourth down decision making. We actually have that as the correct decision to go for it. It was fourth and one at the Kansas City four, 51 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Have it as a 4.6% increase in win probability by going for it. I personally thought they should have kicked a field goal at that point. They were up. Um, I think they were they were up four, only 51 seconds left, and the Chiefs had no timeouts. Like we know if you don't get the fourth down, um, you know, you don't have necessarily the benefit of the residual field position of having them backed yeah. up because it's only a minute left they probably just run it and you know you run, Bengals let them run out the clock you get the field goal 45 seconds left we know Mahomes can do that but with no timeouts you know it, it's a little bit more difficult and maybe they do just run it and get to halftime what did you think watching that when they they did the hard count and then they called a timeout and then sent him yeah. sit Burrow right back out there I, I I liked the call and I'm a little bit more of a uh, conservative mm-hmm. on fourth down calls the Odds of making it on a quarterback sneak, and that was a fourth and inches situation. I think it was like at the four-yard line, but it was fourth and inches. They could have run other plays afterwards. The odds are 83.5% right now. Like, I've been running the odds on and off and walk through. They're always over 80%. So you've got an 80% chance of getting it on the sneak. That's great. Don't run a jet sweep. <laughs> Don't run a jet sweep. Run that sneak. Do And do until somebody shows that either – you can stop the Eagles when they have two guys on Jalen Hurts' back kind of shoving him forward. Or the league says that's for Botten. Or, I mean, heaven forbid somebody gets hurt doing it. But like, right. so far, no one's gotten hurt doing it. Maybe it's not really that dangerous thing. Do that until someone shows you can stop it. Don't don't overcomplicate things if it's a fourth and inches situation. And that's an example of one of those things where Zach Taylor might have a little too many little gizmos in his yep. uh, playbook and too many little ideas oh i'll run a jet sweep okay cool get jamar chase the ball no not jamar chase t higgins keep going <laughs> the punt returner yes yes the 180 pound guy that's the guy we're gonna run oh, okay coach you, you do you yeah and joe burrow i don't know it could just seem this way i don't know his numbers on fourth on quarterback sneaks but it seems like he does whether they use him on the goal line a lot when they've got a fourth mm-hmm. and one at the goal line uh to sneak in the end zone has done well uh the other thing too to your point you know you even if you you get a good chance to get the first down. Even if you don't get in the end zone, you still got a good, you got a shot at the field goal at the end yeah. of the game. Um, so yeah. down getting close to that point with the timing at 51 seconds, where if there was maybe 20 seconds left, you know, yeah. the, the, the model would switch to the field goal, but yeah. yeah, good point there for you to, I did forget it was like a half a yard or even less than that. Yes. On that fourth down. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting situation and you're right. You can get that. Even if you're out of timeouts, you can spike the ball. Try try chase fade, you know, and then kick the field goal if it doesn't work, however you yep. want to play it. Absolutely. But the Bengals definitely looking good, just like last year, beating the Chiefs in the regular season. Yeah. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. But that takes us into Monday Night Football, another not super exciting matchup. Before we dive into this, just those of you out there, want to ask you a question, and that is, are your season-long fantasy teams floundering? We've got one week left next week before the playoffs. Some leagues may be starting the playoffs this week or in a couple of weeks. But some of you may be out of it. You may be in the playoffs. Either way, come play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Play their Underdog Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft 
with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sites. You can even win 50 grand if you grab first place, which is a great prize, especially here in the holiday season with lots of gifts to buy. Or you can try their pick em games where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. You're basically parlaying prop bets. And you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. So join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. That's a $300 on the line there with Underdog. By the way, I think Dennis Speaker cracked the code of the Mr. Irrelevant. Yep. Uh, because uh, Bill Kenny was Mr. Irrelevant in 1978, did not throw a pass until 1980. Okay. Uh, so Brock Hardy was probably the first rookie Mr. Irrelevant to throw a touchdown pass. So we have Dennis, thank you. You have solved the riddle. And now and now we can talk about the Buccaneer Saints game we've all been waiting for in peace. Make this game interesting for me, please, Ian. Please. Yeah, that makes please. much more sense there, uh, the Mr. Irrelevant rookie. Yeah, we got Saints at Bucks tonight. The Bucks won this one, the first one in week two, 20 to 10. A uh, couple props again. This one's not great. Last week we had four of them. One of them hit Kenny Pickett under one and a half passing touchdowns. Paris Campbell and uh, Pat Fryermuth, I think, each came up five or six yards short of theirs. Uh, or not Paris Campbell, sorry, Michael Pittman. Paris Campbell was quite a bit off there. But uh, tonight there's one, uh, a couple that I'll, or one I really liked just because of the way he's been playing lately. Chris Godwin okay. went back and forth on the catches and the yards, over six and a half catches. The yards are set at 67 and a half. I like the catches. He has six plus in every game except week one. He has seven plus catches in three of his last five, and he's getting a ton of volume. At least eight targets in six straight, 10 or more in five of those, including some games of 12 and 13. New Orleans is 24th against short passes and passes over the middle. Chris Godwin's average depth of target this year is only 5.8 yards, uh, which is the lowest of his career. His yards before catch per reception is 4.8. Also the lowest, but he's been very good. Tom Brady, a lot of quick passes in that offense this year with the offensive line struggles. Now, New Orleans hasn't given up more than six catches to a player in the last four games. But that, that volume for Chris Godwin, I think, is going to be there, and it's going to be pretty easy, I think, for him to get to, to get over six and a half there. And Brady wasn't great against New Orleans in week two. We know he's had his struggles against them, too, yeah. since arriving in Tampa. But he's thrown for 250-plus in all but two games since uh, that week two matchup. I think last week or the week before was like 243. So he's got some yardage. Again, the volume, I think, will be there for Chris Godwin. So that's what I like tonight. I like him to stay hot. He's got 70-plus and a touchdown in two straight after not scoring a touchdown all year until – that game in Germany. So uh could be a good one for Chris Godwin. So that's the first one. Yeah. I, I like the catch volume thing with Godwin. They still will run that kind of quick screen. Mm-hmm. That one's like the favorite, one of the favorite targets for the quick screen, like the smoke route. Oh, you're playing 10 yards off Brady. Mm-hmm. Season. I'm going to take it. So that insulates you from a yardage problem. If you say, Oh, well, all this little nonsense, these little nonsense throws, you can just accumulate them. So I like that one. Yeah, and he did have a game, uh, I think, where he had like eight catches, but it was for 40-something yards again because they oh. were short. But he seems to be the go-to guy when they've got third and seven, third and eight. He gets you know, he gets up eight yards, get, cuts over to the middle, and he's there for Brady, hits him. Uh, so that, that one there. And then on the other side, this was a little bit tougher. I went with the yards at first, uh, but changed it up. Alvin Kamara under 12-and-a-half rushing attempts. His yards are set at 48-and-a-half. He has 12 attempts or less in four straight. I think three of those were single-digit uh, rushing attempts since that shutout against Las Vegas where he had like 18. The week before that, he only had 11. So in five of the last six, he's been under 13 
uh, rushing attempts. We saw Taysom Hill had six carries last week. He had nine carries the week before after being quiet for a couple of weeks. And they said, right. hey, we need to use him more. We're underutilizing him. So right. they're going to use him. And then Mark Ingram in his first game back there had four carries last week. Uh, so I, I, And I, I expect Tampa Bay to be winning this game. They're favored, I think, uh, three and a half it was the last I saw. Um, so expect them to throw the ball a little bit more. Maybe Camara racks up a lot of catches in this one, but I don't, I don't think he'll get over 12 and a half rushing attempts. That's what I like. I like the Godwin play better, but Alvin Kamara is one, two there. I think that he's going to be uh, utilized more in the passing game. That offense just hasn't been very good lately with Andy Dalton uh, under center either. Yeah. Yeah. We we've reached the Monday night football in December with like Monday night football, not having great matchups. Mm-hmm. where we're down to the under and the Alvin Kamara carries <laughs> as a good play. Like, like this is degenerate in the corner of the bar level play. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, you know, we're, we're doing what we do to keep these games exciting. Yeah. The thing is, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. I'm not sure I'm ready to like, like, like start every series. Like, Oh good. Oh good. In- Ingram's in, but like, right. yeah, it, 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 it's a potential. I'm going to tell you something right now. So I, we're at, I'm at the bar yesterday and this, younger dude a dude your age kind of tipsy like he's like i i'm got four legs of my five my five-legged parlay and, and all i need now is a derrick henry touchdown i get the derrick henry touchdown i get you know 250 bucks on a 10 dollar play or whatever it's it's 35 to 10 eagles okay derrick henry is like in the gatorade tent <laughs> at this point and i'm trying to it's like well well buddy i i wish you good luck but I don't think that's – what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? I was like, Ryan Tannehill is going to hit him. I was like, that's Malik Willis. <laughs> They're not hard to tell apart. That's right. not Ryan Tannehill out there. And then – so then the dude starts getting mad. All I needed was a Derrick Henry parlay. I'm like, okay, Patty, you just told me it was a $10 play. It was a $10 yeah. play. So the world is not – you did not bet your mortgage or your, you know, your children's college. A couple college beers, maybe. You, could bet, you bet a couple of beers, and you had plenty of beers <laughs> along the way. Uh, so, so uh, like, I'm kind of like sliding away from this guy because he's going to get mad that they're not going to score a meaningless touchdown at the end yeah. of the game. But yeah, but Kamara under 13 and a half, I respect it. Yep, I respect. <laughs> I respect yeah, it's life of a life of of gamblers, right? Getting upset, uh, watching the game, and that, that's what what always sucks. Obviously, parlays are hard. You get four of the five, you're like, all right, and then you it's the one that misses, and it's right. it's uh, frustrating. But yeah, on a ten dollar bet, it, it it hurts, but. It's not like he put down a uh, hundred grand. On <laughs> no, no, exactly right. And you know, it, it, if you're a casual, if you're a casual better, to the point where you can't look at the screen and tell if it's Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis, right? Uh, it, it may it may be a good idea instead of the parlays to to place the bets separately. Mm-hmm. And if you get a four out of five, you've won. You're yep. probably won depending on your odds. You know, so 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 modulate the way you wager to your lifestyle and to your comfort with the potential of losing ten dollars. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Of course, he might have done all that when sober. Right. Things were different by about 345 yesterday. Yeah. Also, if you can't tell the difference between Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill, uh, you probably should either call into work or just stop stop your drinking <laughs> at that point because uh, you're a little far gone there. Hey, I, we've all been there, uh, yes, but that, it's probably not a good time uh, not having a good rest of the day at that point. But that did remind me, of the, we mentioned you know, being a $10 bet versus you know betting the mortgage or something. Saw last night there was a guy so somewhere on Twitter. Uh, they posted about a guy that bet like 97 grand on CD Lamb first touchdown, and he had that crazy first touchdown where he rolled over the defense. Stephon Gilmore, I think it was, or maybe a different defender, wasn't touchdown. I was actually surprised they let the play go. It seems like a lot of times they call him dead. 
ends up scoring the touchdown and paid out 700 something grand. Uh, I think it was one of those, uh, the betting, betting tips that always post the big wins and stuff. I'm like, and that's, if you've got 97 grand to put on a first, t- first touchdown, you're probably yeah. not hurting if you lose it in the 700 and something thousand is a lot, but still it's always, always fun to see those kind of wins there where people, uh, putting a lot of money down. Cause you know, scared money don't make no money. As I said, yeah, well, scared $97,000. I don't even know. That's like terrifying to think about. It seems like at that rate, you get like the better odds too, because like, yeah. first touch, I guess first touchdown plus 700 plus 800. That does make sense. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a high roller. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Maybe uh, we'll get there one day. We'll, we'll be putting some of those big ones live on this show. <laughs> no, no, not anytime soon. No, but that. Was the Kamara under the sign that like that's all we have for the Monday night games? Was that like the, or do you have like a kicker? What's that? Was was the Kamara under the sign that we had like that we were done with the Monday night? I, it, it probably should be. <laughs> oh no, you got more? No, no, that that is it. Say that probably that should be it because it, there there wasn't a ton there. I went and was looking. Those were kind of two two of the the ones that I liked the best there. So hopefully we get back on track. Say a couple close misses last week, but. It does take us into our winners and losers of the week. And I will let you start off as usual, I guess, here and give us your winner of the week from week or week 13. I'm losing track of weeks already. Well, we touched on him at more length than we expected to early in the uh, uh, podcast. Brock Purdy, Iowa State Cyclones legend, Mr. Irrelevant, best quarterbacking Mr. Irrelevant since Bill Kenny, apparently. 210 passing yards yesterday, two touchdowns. Very custodial performance overall. But this is such a great opportunity for this young quarterback. The expectations are not particularly high, okay? 49ers fans don't think this kid is going to lead them to the Super Bowl. He's probably going to lead them to the playoffs no matter what by, you know, getting the ball to Debo and C-Mac mm-hmm. and let the defense take care of business. And this is a great opportunity to follow the footsteps of guys like Nick Mullins, who wasn't unheard of, who – Still around the NFL, still getting NFL jobs. C.J. Beathard was a little bit better known from Iowa. They've got an Iowa thing with those quarterbacks there, but hung around for years after getting a few plays there. Purdy worked his way up. He was not supposed to be the – he was not even supposed to be the third stringer this year. Remember, it was Trey Lance initially. Nick Sudfeld was supposed to be the backup. Purdy was like this camp arm guy, puts himself in this position. Player cards right get to the playoffs, look dignified when the inevitable happens and, you know, the Cowboys crush you or whatever, and you'll be playing in the NFL until you're 38 years of age. (laughs) You will be Chase Daniel. You will be all of these guys that we say, oh, that guy's still there. That guy's still there. He's making more money than you and me combined times five. And, and, you know, and this is a good opportunity. Maybe something more will come with this, even if it doesn't. Shoot your shot, Brock Purdy, and you earn this opportunity by fighting your way through a crowd in training camp to get here. What about you, Ian? Who we got? Mine, I've got a player and a team. Uh, we, your guy, A.J. Brown, was the, the talk of the week revenge game against the Titans. Uh, he said, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I told you this wasn't different. You know, he had this one circled. Had 10 yeah. targets, caught eight passes, 119 yards, two touchdowns. What was great in this one, too, was he had the 40-yarder where they initially called it a touchdown. His second foot came down. The toe was just out of bounds. I think mm-hmm. it was the very next play. He yes. made the double move on the defender, beat him bad, worth a guy just – basically got run over because AJ <laughs> yeah, Brown illegal contact got wide open. I think it was uh, per next NFL next gen stats. They said it was the most wide open a receiver has been all year on wow. that play. Hertz just yeah. had to toss it up to him and catch it. So a big one in a revenge game there for, 
AJ Brown, we know all the, the comments from him being asked in the offseason stuff. Uh, yeah. said he was really was really hurt, upset when he got traded from Tennessee. But things are working out pretty well for him this year on his way. One of the top Super Bowl contenders uh, there in the NFL. And then the winning team, I know I put them third in the AFC, but Cincinnati Bengals, obviously big winners. The Chiefs, I mentioned rolling, had won five straight, got stopped by the Bengals yet again. Joe Burrow just looks like one of the best, or we know he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and looked like possibly the best in the league yesterday. Right. And not only with this play, but the way one of those guys that just always looks like he's in control always has the composure reminds me being uh, I know I'm a Packers fan, but a Yankees fan as well in baseball. We talked about that at playoffs, like Derek Jeter always kind of had the same look on his face, always just in the zone right. in the game. Uh, you always think he's going to come through and he did it with him this week. Just a, a, that great throw on third down too to stand in the pocket with, uh, I forget who it was coming around the corner from the chiefs, but, but hit him for the the first down to seal the game. Just really good, really big winners of uh, for Cincinnati and they're, they're rolling right now. They're looking really good. So, Still maybe third in the AFC. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but, top three. but at least we're talking about them. Or at least we're talking about Joe Burrow for playing a complete game, not say, you know, Justin Herbert for throwing one pass. And like, we all get excited yeah. about it. In that <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, big one, big win for the Bengals. AJ Brown there. We'll transition over to losers of the week. And who do you got for your loser of the week this week? My losers of the week are the Tigers mm -hmm. of the week the commanders and the giants because neither of these teams played to win in a game where they could have done, I, I guess you can call it a statement. They could have knocked the other one more or less out of playoff contention, put themselves in position where they'll have enough tiebreakers, et cetera, to hold off you know, the green Bay Packers of the world that are still muddling around there at the bottom of the standings. Both of them could have done that. If you watch this game, it was very, very dreary. It was very slow paced. When they got to overtime, they're like punting on short yardage to each other in overtime. It was like a hockey game on the road from the 1990s. Hey, we get a point if we tie. And the worst thing about it, it was just before we came on, because I saw the Packers jersey and we looked up the odds. Mm -hmm. By tying, they seem to have mutually like shut down some of the avenues for some of the terrible teams below them. Because, because again, they're going to play again in two weeks. Giants commanders, my God, another relevant Giants commanders game in two weeks. Oh, my God. So one of them will get to eight wins in that one. The other one will still be at, like, you know, seven wins at a tie. Mm -hmm. So this is going to create, like, this this painful situation for the teams that are like, well, maybe if we went like the Falcons are another one. Maybe we can win out or, you know, maybe if we go you know, eight, you know, eight and nine or nine and eight, whatever, there could be a team sitting there at, like, nine, seven, and one to take them, and it could be either of these jokers. And just – I. I it just makes me palpably angry that I'm supposed to care about these teams. <laughs> like I wouldn't mind like, Oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers have a big comeback, yeah. blah, 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 you know, or, or Justin Fields. That's exciting. Let's talk. No, no, no. Daniel Jones and Tyler Heineke. That's what we have to talk about. Anyway, who's your loser? Yeah. I was a uh, one note on that too. I saw, um, I don't remember what exactly ours were beforehand, but it was, I think on the ESPN pregame show yesterday morning, they were showing each team was at like 80, 81% with a win to make the playoffs. And both would either would drop down to like 30%. Yeah. You said now they're in the mid 50. We've got them at what? 58%. Um, yeah. 58 and 53 Washington slightly ahead of the giants there. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of, like you said, one being way up or one being way down, yeah. it knocked a bunch of other teams out like green Bay. Instead uh, of making things good for themselves, they made it worse for everyone else. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> frustrating especially between those two teams like you said one of them will get a win maybe not they may tie again <laughs> maybe yes. they said it bring it on two. 
bring it on. I want both of them at, like, yeah, like, you know, whatever, seven, seven and three at the end of the season, yeah. whatever it is. I remember there was a year, I think it was a guy, I'm not even trying to remember what year, early 2010s, maybe mid 2010s. I think it was Seattle and San Francisco or Seattle and the Rams that tied their first matchup. And then I think it was like Thanksgiving night or maybe around Christmas. They almost tied again, went down to like 20 seconds in overtime, I'm pretty sure, before someone finally kicked a field goal. I'm pretty sure I remember that correctly. They almost tied twice each other in the same season. So that's what I imagine happening with Washington and the Giants is them just tying again and having two ties there. (laughs) Sounds very Jeff Fisher-like. Yeah. uh, Yes, yeah. But we'll move on, and I'll I'll give my loser of the week, uh, fittingly, is the Bears. And that's partly because I I saw a lot of talk. The Bears were pretty confident coming into this game. Green Bay not looking good. Rodgers hurt. Uh, Justin Fields was cleared, was off the injury report, coming back to when they get the early 10-point lead. Uh, there were chants in the, in the stands. I saw the Packers suck, which they do. They're not good. Yeah. But uh, they come back and they win the game. They're up one point late. And then Christian Watson takes the end around 46 yards for a touchdown. They just did what they always do with Rodgers in Chicago against Chicago. And that's win the game. Uh, so they're the losers of the week, blowing the uh, blowing a, a double-digit lead to the Packers. Uh, although the Cowboys did that as well, and they're a good team. But the Bears did it. Uh, and more so just because it seemed like there was a lot of confidence out of the Bears fan. For the future, they're happy. Justin Fields has looked looked a lot better, and, and they're looking towards the future now from what I've seen as well. A lot of commenters talking about, oh, we're going to own the Packers. Jordan Love ain't going to be good. And it's also right. response, like, for the first time, the Bears fans are talking about the future and not 1985. So, <laughs> winners in a way there. <laughs> yeah, putting the cart before the horse. Again, Justin Fields is very exciting. Mm-hmm. He runs extremely well, and he runs extremely well. Yeah. Um, and, and we try to make more out of that than it is. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's better. he's better than Zach Wilson. He's better than Mac Jones. That's all true. But, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But guess who advocated on walkthrough last week to our readership and also took Christian Watson for Offensive Rookie of the Year last week? I believe I got him at plus 600. I'd yep. have to go look it up right now. That's right. Another big game. You know, that yep. Offensive Rookie of the Year, sometimes it's that late bloomer who, like, grabs the story late and Watson is just grabbing the story late. He's scoring one or two touchdowns a game late in the late in the season. Yep. So uh, I don't know what the odds are right now, but folks you keep your ears out and eyes out here in football outsiders. We're telling you about a prop. Even if it's an Alvin Kamara prop, mm-hmm. I go under, <laughs> listen, yeah. listen, because you know, we, sometimes <laughs> we have little slumps here. I'm in a little slump. I think we're, we're in a little slump here on the Monday night action. We come out, when we come out, we come out swinging hard with some big wins. I was just looking up trying to find most recent. When I saw November 29th, they were all pretty even. Um, okay. I'm trying to see. Let me get my odds up here. I I, I have a uh, sports book always loaded. Hmm. Offensive rookie of the year, Kenneth Walker plus 200. Christian Watson plus 225. Yep. There Might still be some meat on that bone there, folks, if you want to take it. It looks too. I've got up here kind of a tracker, but looks like points bet. If the I don't know if they're available ever. I know it's one of those different, but they look like still have him at plus six hundred. Go, go, go! Take it, take it from me. The guy who got Geno Smith, comeback player of the year, plus two thousand. Basically counting the money. Take it from us. Yep. Take it from a Packers fan, Ian. If you can get Christian Watson yep. in that plus six hundred range, do it yesterday. Do it immediately. Yep. Stop watching our show. Go do it now or watch and, and do it simultaneously. Yeah, do both. One more thing. I know we've got a few minutes. Sometimes we're a little bit early, but a question I mean, I had to ask this earlier when we were talking AFC and I got caught up, but 
Uh, we've talked about this team quite a bit as having a failure of a year and have kind of gotten hot sneakily here. The side question a little of the Raiders. Do you think they yeah. can make a playoff push? They're sitting three straight wins. They're two games out of the seventh seed. Chargers, Patriots are one game up. The Jets are two games up, but they now have the tiebreaker over the Chargers. Or I guess they've split those games, so I forget yeah. they played in week one. But their upcoming schedule is at the Rams, at home Ooh. against the Patriots, at the Steelers, and then at home against 49ers and Chiefs. You think is that is that one you think there's maybe a little value in betting, or you think it's going to be uh, a little too too little too late? It, it, I feel like it's too little too late. If you're a, a Raiders believer or a fan and you're getting some really good action on it, take it. Too many scenarios. I mean, one of them is, is you know, beating the Patriots when they have playoff aspirations in that game. That's going to be tricky. There's a lot of permutations involving teams like the Dolphins still just being ahead of you and controlling your own destiny along the way when you try to get all of those wild cards. And you said the Chiefs were in there as well. That's not – Last game of the year. That's discouraging. So – I'm glad because I never thought this team was that bad that we're past the, you know, fire Josh McDaniels after one season, except that you can't because he's, you know, he's too expensive or whatever. Yep. This team is better than that. It's a stretch to say that they're going to make a push at this point in the season. I think. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Uh, yeah, we got playoffs. Yes or no. Let's see when this is from. It was last updated November 29th here on Vegas Insider, but at that point they were at. Uh, Plus 1,600, and imagine they're a little bit higher than that now, but I don't see it anywhere. But I'm with you. I don't think they're going to make it. It's going to be – they were just – they they really hurt themselves early in the year yeah. uh, with the bad start. They've won a few games, but uh, but one of them was against the Broncos. Uh, the, the Chargers this week. I don't – it's hard to make, a, make something out of the Chargers. It's right. like – I, I don't really know what's going on. They should be so much. I know they've missed, they were missing receivers a lot and missing a lot of guys, some guys on the offensive line yeah. um, and some players in, on the defensive side, but they should be a lot better than that. But uh, the Raiders, yeah, I, I don't believe in them either, but uh, there's been a lot of talk of them with them having one three straight. So I wanted to see what you thought there with uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, I think we have them at 6.2% and I, we could run that through a, an odd simulator if you want. It's just, you're right though, the Chargers, I was watching that. Their offensive line has completely collapsed. There's a bunch of rookies starting. They played well early in the year. The opponents have gotten a book on them. And, you know, you, you hear me. I always do the same thing. The internet keeps trying to tell me that uh, Justin Herbert is Dan Marino, Joe Montana, and John Wellaway mixed together in a blender. And I keep watching him and seeing, you know, an above-average quarterback who's still, like, figuring things out. So there's a little bit of a dichotomy there. And it kind of came to the roost in that game yesterday. The The – the Raiders did not play well early. The Raiders did not play well early, but the Chargers keep giving them opportunities to stay in the game, opportunities to stay in the game, going three and out, settling for field goals, yep. doing all these things that this Chargers team, even with some injuries, is supposed to be doing, and the Raiders were able to capitalize. Yeah, not not much to expect there, but uh, like I said, if you believe there, and then the Christian Watson. So a couple other picks there yeah. uh, potentially here, but that does it for Week 13's recap. Don't forget, like Mike mentioned earlier in the show, Get an FO Plus subscription. You sign up, you get access to all of the data updated on Mondays instead of having to wait until Tuesdays. Also get an ad-free experience as well as premium picks, uh, premium articles, stats, things of that nature. And then don't forget about our NFL uh, or our Football Outsiders Discord will be on there. Some people on there on Monday night during the football game, Thursday night football as well. Mike, I think you said you're usually on there and then all day on Sunday. And then there's a lot of conversation on there throughout the week, just talking, talking football. Uh, so a lot of good fun there on the Discord. Mike, it's been a pleasure as always. Everyone out there, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next week for Week 14's Recap. Godwin Rules, Camaro Jules. <laughs>